What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Nate Palmer, known on Instagram as the Low Carb Hustle. And we discover some gold together, digging into fitness and health tips, how to have energy for your family and being fully present. Please, friends, excuse my audio track. It is a bit distorted. We're making some changes here at Rebel and Cree, and I appreciate the support. Enjoy meeting my friend, Nate. All right, my friends, talking fatherhood with a straight gangster, in shape, fit dad, Nate Palmer, low carb hustle. What's up, bro? How are you? Ned, dude, I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be really fun. I, I was curious, though, should we do this with our shirts off or shirts on today? That would be awesome, but I don't do video. I only do audio. So we could take our shirts off, but then I think it'd just be weird. <laughs> that is just us looking at each other's nipples. Two, two guys talking with uh, no shirts on. Uh, well, it's good you don't do video because then people can't see just, just how much more elegant your beard is than mine currently. Well, I don't know. I've been just rocking the mustache. So that's the thing is I've been, it's just like a year and a half of me trying to get the mustache just long. Keep trimming the beard. But like I want the mustache just to be like, just go out like three inches on each side. My wife hates it though. She <laughs> says she's like making out with a dog. It's just ha- hairs everywhere. Not cool. Not cool. Um, but hey, this isn't about me. This is about you. So real quick, couple questions. How old do you find yourself today? Like uh, mentally or like phys- my physical body? How many rotations are in the sun? H- however you want to answer the question. Well, like, you know, it, my body, I feel like I'm like 22 still. I feel really good. Um, my birth certificate says I'm 35 and I act like a 53 year old. So I go to bed at like nine, you know, so take, oh. you know, choose a, choose a number. And then what time do you wake up? Six. Six. Okay. So nine to six, getting that seven to eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Tracking it with the aura ring. Always. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I haven't done the aura ring. I'll do the, the, the watch sometimes, but I am shifting on my sleep. So let's come back to that. Cause I feel kind of convicted about my sleep lately. Hmm. Um, all right. How many years you've been married? I've been, we got married in 2011. So this will, this year will be 12. Nice. And how many kiddos? Two kids, four year old daughter and should be five soon. And then a two year old son. Okay. And is that, we cutting it off, cutting it off there. We literally cut it off. Okay, perfect. So no more. Yeah. We got the old the old snip snip. Yep. Yep. Love it. Okay. Big fan of male perfect. birth control. <laughs> yeah, it's so much better. Um, and then where do you reside as a family? Where do you guys live? We're in Phoenix. We're like a suburb of Phoenix called Tempe, which is kind of near the Arizona State University. But it's Okay. I love it here. It's amazing. So like it's like don't tell anyone though, because I don't want them to move here. But Arizona is such an underrated state. Mm, what makes it so great? There it's the climate's amazing. People don't, people always complain about the heat, but it's actually fantastic. There's sun so much. Everyone has like good, like a lot of space, big bike lanes, lots of parks, especially where we're at. I've got probably like eight parks within a two mile radius of our house. Yeah. All, like, that's pretty awesome. And then like, we're two hours from the mountains. We're four hours from the beach. You know, we have so many di- different cool things around us. Grand Canyon, you know, it's great. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a great that's, place. Yeah. That's awesome. It's good to love where you live. Um, and then what do you do for a living? So I know you briefly just from Instagram, low carb hustle, but what is it that you do for a living? I help entrepreneurs and business owners primarily with their fitness and nutrition so they can maximize their energy and drop fat rapidly. So a lot of, a lot of coaching around training and nutrition. Beautiful. And how long have you been doing that? So I started as a personal trainer in 2008. So I was seeing people one-on-one and then that gradually evolved. I started online coaching in 2015 and then I've started actually being good at online coaching in about 2018. That's awesome, man. Awesome. And just helping dudes find their way. Now, when you do this, are you finding that 
what's shifting most for a dude? Is it is it not only their health, but like tell me what's shifting for dudes when they're when they're coming to you? I think that there's there's a lot of like interpersonal and relational things that shift, and there's also a lot of things that shift in their business. Because what mm. I find is that most guys eat poorly and then have those just slumps in the afternoon where they're knocking out their to-do list, but they're taking something that should take them an hour 15. They're cramming into three and a half hours. So now they're tired. Now they feel guilty. Now they have not been home when they said they were going to be home. So they show up at home. They get on the couch. They watch ESPN for 30 minutes before they can interact with their kids. So shifting that to being like, I'm a home a little earlier. I'm being more intentional with my time or I'm staying at work and I'm making more money with my additional focus and energy. But when you walk in the like walking in the house, one of the things I love to hear the guys I work with say is like, my kids are excited when I, when I get home, they see the new energy that I have. I feel like the ability, which I think is a really cool word when we're talking about fitness, but like the ability Mm. to go play with them and connect with them and then like connect my wife at a high level. Because I think a lot of times you come in, if you're just dragging the weight of the day behind you and you like collapse on the couch and, you know, your wife's been at home all day with the kids or whatever. And she's like, really? Like you, you had a hard day? Like it's your turn now, you know? And so being able to like step into that and being like, yeah, like dad's home. And you always know what version of dad is walking through the door. So your mm, kids aren't, that's good. your kids aren't like listening for that key and being like, wonder who he's going to be today, you right. know? Man, it's tough. What is the the thing that holds ba- holds men back the most from doing it? Because I feel like if somebody were to ask, most dudes know what to do. Um, but what's that thing that's holding them back from doing it? I think there's a couple things at, at play, and it's different for everybody. So, number yeah. one, number one, I think that like we have so much expertise and we're so good at what we do. But fitness and nutrition can be this like elusive thing that turns smart professional men into just like having feelings of low confidence and just not being like sure of themselves. So I think that number Mm -hmm. one, having a solid plan and being like, I know what I'm doing. I trust the process. It's like going to Google and getting a map to go somewhere. So you're like, all right, I know where I'm going. You know, it's like, it's all, it's written out for me. So I don't have to guess or think about it. Not wasting additional mind power on that. And then the second thing I see a lot of the time was with people who specially self-sabotage, who are up and down in their weight, who have like Mm -hmm. can do really well at 75 hard and then fall off is an identity piece, a belief, because Mm -hmm. I don't believe that you can act outside of your identity for a long period of time. When it comes down to it, you might be able to do a six week challenge or 75 hard and just white knuckle it because, you know, like Jocko says, discipline over motivation. So you're disciplined, you're your alarm set, you're doing all the things, but I don't believe that discipline can supersede motive identity. And if you're, yes, yes, you will always regress to the level of your identity. So if your thought process, like I talked to a guy the other day and he said, that's just who I am. I'm the funny fat guy. I always eat the biggest portions. I always clean everyone's plates at the restaurants. And that was his identity. And that's a bigger shift than helping him track macros or teaching him a framework for nutrition or or how to do pushups. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Identity is huge for men. And, And so I love that you bring that up. And, and and I'll tell you, so I've been on this, like I turned, okay, I did a podcast with this dude, maybe a year and a half ago, and he was 50 and he looked fit, bro. He looked like a freaking badass. And he said when he was 39, he did this like stark naked thing in Los Angeles that this gym did. And then he just stuck with it. So he got number one. And then every year he does the stark naked and, uh, and at 50, look great. So I, I'm 39. I turned 40 in July. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to look the very best on my birthday when I turn 40 this year. And, and, and I've been going after it, but dude, I'll tell you, man, it's the, it's the, the eating piece has been like a spiritual journey for me. Like what I know I could have done in 90 days, I'm nine months in and I feel great. I, I look great but I'm not to where I want to be yet. It's not even about a look anymore. It's about this, uh, this, this food it's spiritual, bro, but it comes down to identity. Um, it's been, it's been a really amazing journey. Uh, lots of milestones. And, and I'll tell you, I'm kind of glad it's taken longer because it's becoming more my identity than it is just like, I just hammered 90 days. I love that. I love that. And I actually, honestly, like I always tell people, Cause I used to train people like and do like one month programs and we just do one month at a time. I don't do that yeah. anymore because I feel like that sends the wrong message. Now I do six months or 12 months because any good goal takes a year. 
No one, and no one talks mm. about that because that's not sexy. So you can't sell a 21 day detox off of that. But yeah, like, yeah. you want to lose 10 pounds? Great. Think about a year. People are like, whoa, like 10 pounds, I can lose that in a month. Yes, but now you have to maintain that. Now you have to figure out the habits right. and the lifestyles that are going to keep you there because it's easy to lose 10 pounds. Anyone can do that. But can you figure out how to maintain that? Not only by setting your body's set point and getting that homeostasis involved, yeah. where that's your just that's your new weight, but also learning the habits, the lifestyles, the the, the nutritional piece that helps you do that easily. Because then if you can do that, then it's money. Then you got it for life. But if you can't, then you're going to fight that same 10 pounds over and over and over and over again. Right. Okay. And I want to get into like my fatherhood questions, but this stuff's really good. And what I want to talk about um, for myself, but what's your thought on if, if you say, Hey, I can help you lose 10 pounds in a month or a year, the year gives me a little bit more freedom to screw around. Right. So what's that kind of balance that you have found that's helpful to help people see some wins but also be about the longevity of it, right? Balancing those two pieces. So personally, I, I break it up into to, to three phases. So phase one for me is very much like a connect the dots. So mm. what, I, what, I, what I want is someone to do four weeks of a very intentional structured program that delivers results and, and builds momentum because the people that are like, Hey, you're going to do a workout with me and we're just going to cut out half of a soda. You can drink two and a half sodas, but not three sodas. Like that's just such a slow slog progress that people mm. don't really see the results. And I think momentum is crucial, especially at first. So people who work with me get a meal plan up front and a lot of trainers don't like that, but it's not, it's just training wheels. It's like, Hey, here's the connect the dots, follow this plan. Here's your grocery list. And then after about four weeks, we pull back and go, okay, well, what did you learn from that? How do we apply this as a framework rather than as a structured, like you have to eat exactly this thing on this day. Mm-hmm. And so now we turn it from a connect the dots into uh, like color by number. So you slide in the foods you want. So if I say, Ned, you got to have a protein, a carb and a vegetable. And you're like broccoli, uh, um, Captain Crunch and grilled shrimp. I'm gonna be like, Ned, that's freaking gross, bro. But like, okay, <laughs> like it works. It fits, you know, that's a sometimes food, but we'll roll with it. Take it. And then what's the third phase? So, so then the third phase is that's when, once you hit the results, once you get the results, then it's like you decide, do you want to focus in on building your energy or do you want to focus on, on building more muscle? I think those are the only two options because mm. if you're going to really build your energy, then it's, then the eating changes slightly. If you're going to be focused on building more muscle, the carbs go up, your energy will dip a little bit, but there's, there's ways around that. So figuring out how to continue to progress, because I think that like, if I just called it maintenance, like a, people think I can do maintenance on my own. You know, like, why would I pay you to do maintenance? But B, right. it's really not maintenance because we always have to be growing and improving and evolving. And I think that just framing it in that way gives people the ability to be like, all right, what's the next? What's next? How can I grow? How can I get a little bit better? How can I keep working on these pieces that are important to me? Love it. Oh, man. Really good. Thanks for sharing that. I'm sure more of that will come up, but I'm going to jump in and ask you some fatherhood questions. Um, and before I do, shout out to Mike Higgins. He's the one who connected us. I mean, we're both in Front Row Dads, but uh, his podcast, I listened to you on um, Unlock Your Excellence. And from that podcast, I listened to that shoot probably three, four weeks ago. I've been trying to take 100 steps after I eat. Okay, so I've implemented that into my life of like eating and then drinking a freaking huge glass of water um, before I eat. So I took those two things. Yeah, okay, here's my downfall though, bro. After I listened to that podcast, I was like, all right, I really got to commit to drinking a gallon of water a day. And the first day I drank it all before like 9 a.m. And I just like pissed my brains out all morning. (laughs) I was like, this probably is like needs to be spread out over the day. Yeah, I'd probably spread it out. I like I like to try to get in like three quarters of a gallon before like two. And then I seem to drink a little less in the afternoon for some reason. But also if you're if you're finding yourself just like hitting the bathroom or getting up at night to pee, which is annoying, just get some electrolytes. Electrolytes will keep you from Mm. peeing so you're not just flushing it out. And if you're just drinking a gallon of water anyways, sometimes you can flush out those vitamins and minerals that you need to like to actually let your body use the hydration. You ever been to that point where you're like drinking water and you're like, is this even working? Like, am I even getting hydrated from this? Yeah, it's like coming out the same time yeah, it's going in. Yeah. Yes, that's pretty much how I felt. Um, what's interesting, though, is I will tell you, over the course of like, it was probably five to eight days where I drank a gallon a day, I noticed my weight shift more than before, meaning like I dropped weight because I've really been trying to drop under 170 and it's like I've been stuck at 172, but the drinking the gallon of water really, really helped. Um, all right, Mike Higgins, there you are, bro. Um, all right. 
Nate, when did you embrace fatherhood? So you've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, right? So you are around 31 years old, kind of have been, you're established, you've been married for a while. Were you excited coming into it or, you know, like, what did that process look like? When did you really embrace it? I mean, to be honest with you, I was not excited. Um, I had never anticipated Mm -hmm. having kids. I always had a weird view of what my like adulthood would look like. I didn't think I was really going to make it past 30, to be honest. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I just didn't think I was going to live that long. And so my wife and I got married when we were like 21. So pretty, pretty young, 22. And then we moved to Seattle for a couple of years, which was amazing for us in our marriage. And like just having to lean on each other rather than like our families and our friends, because we were in a new place without jobs or anything like that. Then in 2015, we moved uh, to South America. We've traveled around South America for about 13 months together. Wow. Which was incredible. So like what led you there? I always wanted to get out and do like backpacking and learn Spanish was always a big goal for me. And so I had an opportunity to do that in in 2011, but it was kind of like, do I get married or do I do this thing? So it was always on my mind. So I talked to her about it and so I wanted to to lock it down because she's the greatest. And so, and then we just kind of became adventure buddies after that. So we saved up some money when we we were working sold all of our stuff and then moved, moved South and did some, uh, just some crazy stuff. We were like tour guides on the Panama canal, worked at a pig farm in Ecuador. Yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. What a cool experience just to go have together. Um, not a lot of people kind of create that space and time, right. To go to Seattle, learn to lean on each other and then go to another country where you really gotta like be best friends. Yeah. We spent a lot of time Uh, on buses together. uh, We didn't get sick of each other, which was kind of, you know, I think that's unique. So yeah, when, that's awesome. when we got back, we came back to Phoenix. Our family lives here, you know, so it was kind of like a, a no-brainer spot with, with no money, no cars, no jobs. And my wife wanted a couple of kids and I didn't want any kids. And uh, so we compromised and had two. <laughs> but, there you go. And then how's that process been? So at what point, at what point did it become like, oh man, I'm, I'm a father. This means something. I want to engage in this. Probably like close to nine months uh, when my, my daughter turned nine months maybe, maybe a year, but like before then, you know, like even I wasn't, I'm not a, like the greatest person around babies. They don't like, Hey, they don't do much for me. B I'm like, is my holding this thing correctly? Like, I don't, I don't know. So my thought process when, when we first had kids was how do I support my wife in these difficult things that she's going through and breastfeeding and being up at night and all the, all these, these pieces. So I was like, I'm going to be a good husband. I don't really know about this whole dad situation though. And so, but once my daughter started to like be more active and smiling and responding and stuff like that, like she just took, she just took my heart. Like, you know, it was like, it, it unlocked a piece of me that I really didn't, couldn't um, hmm. understand otherwise. Like, so I, and like, this is a weird comparison, but the first time, like I'm a very even keeled person. I feel like growing up, I was like this five, six, no, no high highs, no low lows. And then in like 2014, I took MDMA and it completely changed my brain and how I viewed things and was like excited for things because I feel like it brought me to an 11 out of 10, you know, but I didn't ever feel like, oh my gosh, I'm intoxicated. I am, I'm like, you know, under the influence, even though I definitely was, it felt to me like, oh, I have the capacity to experience life at this level, at these, like with these higher emotions. Mm. So it like broke something open in me where I was like, oh, wow, I can like feel these things. So even though I couldn't get to the 11 again, I was getting to eight. You know, I could, I could be excited about things. My wife had once asked me before we were like going on a vacation. She's like, are you pumped? Are you excited? I was like, nope, maybe when we get there, we'll see, you know, had a great time, but like didn't get pumped about things. Same thing when my daughter was born. It was just like, it showcased me what it felt like to like some, like those, the depth of emotions and like the, like this warmth. So it wasn't so much as like this excited, like hooray type of feeling, but it was like, wow, I can, I care very, very deeply for this, this individual in a way that's different from the love I have for my wife, which feels like this intentional choice I'm making. I like choose to love you. I choose to be in a relationship with you. Whereas her is like, I don't have an option. Like I just, like you just, you're just mine. I'm like, I'm yours like forever. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense, man. It's so rad the way you explain it. Cause it made me think I was surfing with this guy maybe two, three weeks ago. And he shared something with me that he just made up. He says, being married teaches you how to love, 
being a father shows you your capacity to love. Bingo. And I just thought, dude, that's, that's incredible because I love your openness and honesty about it. You know, some guys are like, oh my gosh, the moment I found out we were pregnant, it's like, I was just ready talking to the baby in the belly, blah, 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 which is great. But then for the dude who's like, yeah, nine months, 10 months, 11, 12, I just still was kind of like stumbling through it, not stumbling through it, but it wasn't, it wasn't this thing for me. And now, but I, but I found it right. It unlocked something in me. I mean, I love that's what you said. It unlocks something inside of you. Your daughter did. Um, the other thing that's really powerful too is is you made a choice to show up for your spouse. You're like, okay, in this season, I'm going to be there for her and 100% support her as a mom. Um, and I think some dudes don't necessarily do that because they don't, they just think I'm going to put my head down and go to work, you know? Yeah. This is her thing. But it's it's so much. Like, I got so much respect for moms. And my wife's incredible. She works and she watches the kids. She works from home, watches the kids at the same time. She's she's just a rock star. So, like, like I don't know. Like, for – she's – I'll still say she's weird. She's a weird person. But she has this thing where she can't relax at the end of the day until the house reaches a certain level of cleanliness. And her mm. cleanliness standard is this. And my cleanliness standard is here. It's so she's like a nine. I'm like a six. You know, like if I can see like bacteria flocking around on the floor like a golden retriever, I'm like, would you clean that up? And she's like, no, like, you know, she's way ahead of that. So but but I have to like understand about her is that if the house is not picked up, she can't relax. We can't right. chill. We cannot connect. None of those things can happen until like the house is clean in this specific yeah. way. So if I want to connect with my wife, if I want her to have any sort of like capacity at the end of the day, I need to own those things because now mm. the baby's taking 100% priority. So like I'm not a like I'm not a very clean, tidy person, but I had to step into that because I knew if she, if I didn't, she'd have nothing left at the end of the day. And like, honestly, yeah. selfishly, like it had to be that way. Otherwise I was going to lose her for a full year. Right. Man, that took me a while to learn. Um, I just didn't understand why it's like, dude, why does it freaking matter if the dishes are dirty? Let's just watch a show instead of realizing you can't experience peace until this is done because the way that you're made. Right. And to me, I'm like, dude, I could care less. I don't even see it. We'll deal with it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, So learning to see what matters to her has, has been helpful. Um, uh, What have you learned about yourself as a dad? So coming into fatherhood, what have you learned about Nate through being a dad? Uh, I've learned some, some not so great lessons for sure. Like I've learned that I'm a bit more of a, prick about getting my own way than I would have thought. I'm always like, I'm easy going. Everything's like Hakuna Matata, but that's because I always just did whatever I wanted to. And so it was, it was great. So now like, I feel like I'm a bit more authoritarian with my kids than um, hmm. really anyone else that I associate with. Like all my friends are very like playful in a way. And sometimes I can be like, no, like the, the line is here. Here's what I said. Here's what we're doing. And if you don't like that, I'll pick you up and put you where I want you to be. Like, and I didn't necessarily think that going into parenting that that was, that was going to be my style. Um, I also said the other day because I said so. And I was like, well, I didn't mean to say that. Said I would never say that originally. So, um, but I also have um, learned a lot about how much I love teaching and sharing experiences. And I guess that's not a big surprise, mm. but like, I love taking my kids camping and being like, look at this cool bug. Did you know that bark grows on the south side of the trees? And maybe it's not the south. I don't know. But like all those like little things and like yeah. nuances. And we talk about like the sun or sharks or whatever else. And I love like how inquisitive they are and just sharing the things that I love about, you know, the world, our lives, our house, the nature, whatever else with these kids. So like I'm obviously big into working out. So we have a gym in the garage. So my, my daughter's always like, dad, I did 12 pushups, feel my muscles. And I'm just like, you're so cool. So awesome. Yeah. And she does legit pushups for a four-year-old. She does legit pushups. It's amazing. Dude, that's what's up. And it just gets better. Like you're in this season and and it's cool. You're letting them be a part of it. Cause I think sometimes it's easy to go, 
oh, this is dad's time. And, and there are times for that, for sure. But it's like, dude, this, uh, let's see. I do CrossFit two days a week with my 13-year-old daughter. Amazing. I do, um, the, my other daughter, she's 17. We'll go to the gym. We went to the gym at 5 a.m. this morning. I went and woke her up. I'm like, yo, you going to the gym with me? And her and I went and hit the gym. Um my all my kids my son him and his buddy he he's got a thing with his friend they have to do core workout every day and if they don't the other one has to pay 10 bucks so his buddy missed it yesterday so my son's like yeah elijah owes me 10 bucks today um so all five of my kids are like into right now and they're 10 to 17 and so but i cultivated that when they were younger like that right like hey dad's working out come do this little you know hit training with me but it has now gone into they're older and they're inviting me and we're working out together. It's, it's pretty rad. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I was kind of worried that if I do some of this stuff right now, it's going to get to the point where they're like, well, I don't like doing that. I, that's boring mm. dad stuff. So I was, I wasn't going to change anything, but I also like didn't want to overwhelm them with all of the things that I love that are eventually going to be annoying to them when they're 13. Well, you know what? Well, yeah, my 14 year old thinks I'm a weirdo um, in some some aspects, but that's her age. But I'll tell you, it's like, man, this this moment hit me about a month ago. Two of my daughters were at the gym. I was at the gym. We were doing our own thing. And there's a bunch of dudes, right? Like I'm 39 and there's a bunch of 20 year old dudes. They both walk up to me and f- kiss me goodbye. And there's all these dudes around. But I kind of earned that, right? I, I look like I know what I'm doing. I, I'm not a fat, slob, slow gross dad. Um, and so I think I've earned that with them. And I think that's really important is coming back to what you said is that, do you want to build muscle or do you want to have energy? And your kids are going to see that in you and they're going to want that too. Right. I mean, kids catch a lot more than they hear. Right. Yeah. But I also think that like, you know, going back to what holds guys back. And I think that if you like, if you're not proud of yourself, how can your Mm -hmm. family be proud of yourself, proud of you? Like if mm. you don't have that, like that, that confidence, you don't feel good in your skin. Like, I don't know if your wife is, I don't know if your kids are. And isn't that like of critical, imp- if you won't do it for yourself, will you do it for them? Isn't that a critical importance to like raising up leaders, this next generation? Dude. Okay. So this guy hit me up recently, him and his wife hit me up and they're like, Hey, our kid, he's a senior, he's screwing around. What should we do? And I, and I said, and I just kind of talked to the dad on the side. I'm like, bro, what are you? Because they're like, our son's not pursuing anything. And I asked the dad, I'm like, bro, what are you pursuing? Whoa. You know, and, and nothing, nothing, no hobby, no freak. Just go to work, come home, nothing, you know? And I'm like, you can't expect your son to do anything different than you're doing. That is not the answer that they wanted. He didn't respond to me. <laughs> um, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to hear, especially if you're dude, like, what do you want me to say to you? Yeah. Put him in, put him in sports. You're like, well, yeah. Like when is the last time you did anything exercise, like athletic, but like, yeah, oh man, that's, that's a great question though. I think that's, and that's something that we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. I think as dads, like that's one thing I've learned is that if I want someone to be at 99, I gotta be at a hundred. If I'm, yeah. if my fitness yeah. is at a 70, no one in my house is going above a 69 period. No nope. period. You, you, yeah, you can't ask somebody to do something that you're not going to do yourself. Yeah. I had a, I had a manager when I was, I was working at this, pl- this pool store. And one of our things we would do is always go into the, these, the trucks and we'd unload these big semi trucks. It was dirty. It's hot in Arizona. You know, it's 110. We're in the back of this truck doing these things. We got three managers at, the, at this place and the, all of them would sit in the front office, nice and air conditioned, be like, put it in here, bring it over here. Like, you know, directing and stuff like that. Hired a new guy. His name is Dave Newsbach. I never forget this. But like day one, Dave gets in there. He takes his shirt off. He's got his wife beater on and he's back there busting his ass with me. Hmm. And how much, how much faster and better and did everything run with Dave in the back doing the work, leading, leading by example. I, I've never worked harder because I was like, I'm not like, I'm not going to let this dude outwork me. Like. If he's back here doing this, I'm not, there's no way I'm slacking and just walking around and, and making this, you know, take as long as possible. And I'll never forget that lesson that Dave taught me is like, if you mm-hmm. want something done, you need to be standing in the front doing more of the work. So good. Yeah. So good. And dads, I mean, right now, if you're here listening to this, you're clearly working on yourself. Let your kids see that. Let them be a part of it in whatever capacity that you are mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's really good. So, Nate, this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes, and you're doing it. Just open up your field notes, sharing stories, sharing life. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And the idea is that as men, we're fighters, we're warriors, we want to rebel, we want to fight against something, but not just to be destructive, to create something on the other side. So when you think of that, what's something that you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? So the thing I, I find myself coming back to like in podcasts, in conversations with my wife and just just things I'm picking up in, like in culture right now is this tendency, this shift and this slide towards comfort as the ultimate goal. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of times we get caught up in this like left versus right, liberal, conservative, you know, like religion, all these things. But I don't think that the like the problem is like is this culture war. I think the problem is that everyone is sliding towards a more comfortable lifestyle. And we are putting comfort as our God, as our premier virtue in this country. You know, everything is designed. You you think about DoorDash, you think about what happened during COVID, you think about streaming services and Netflix and like just everything is just gradually becoming more like Wally-esque, right? You've seen Mm Wally. And I just I just am, it just irks me to no end. Me irks is probably not even a strong enough word. It just annoys me. It gnaws at me to see this happen because I've seen people who have this vibrant spark in their life. And I'm thinking about a couple of people that I've seen like recently in just the last five years that has completely fallen off. Like you said, hmm. these people are not pursuing anything. So they are just, they're getting pulled by the currents of society into a comfortable state where they're not really doing anything. There's nothing that's really important or urgent for them. And I reject that. I reject yeah, that unapologetically. Yeah. I do not want to ever be the person who is drawn to comfort above above all because I do think that aging, especially, you know, our age and beyond is an aggressive is really due to the aggressive pursuit of comfort. You know, the like when you tell grandma like, "Oh, stay inside, don't get too cold, don't go for a walks." How fast are are our grandparents degrading when they are not getting out and moving around and doing things and and living their lives. When you try to put them into a box and just tuck them into their bed and make them stay there, that's a downhill spiral and it goes and it goes quickly. So I I am very much in the like in the place where I want to rebel against things that are comfortable. And one way that I do that is um currently I just started doing jujitsu a couple months ago. And nice. I'm a fit guy, right? I can I can say that pretty pretty Honestly, like I'm, I'm in good shape. My cardio is great. Like I, I feel better than I have felt in years. My back doesn't hurt. I like, I, like I just feel good. And I go to jujitsu and I get my shit smashed over and over and over and over again. This guy's 60 pounds heavier than me. He's got 40% body fat smashed. This guy's 40 pounds lighter than me. He's like, you know, he's like, he just looks like he's a 12th, 12th grader smashed. Everybody smashes me. Like my voice sounds like this because I just got choked out like 16 times yesterday. And I love it. And I like, I mean, I don't love it. I don't at all. But I love the ability to become a beginner and to lean into something that is so challenging. And because like the weirdest thing, the weirdest thing happened. So like in in November, I started jujitsu in December. In November, I'd gotten a couple emails from people and I got a client who had canceled and said some some mean stuff. And I was so bothered by it. And it like, hmm. it stayed with me two or three days. I had a sales call a little bit later. I did really bad at it. Just was in a bad headspace. Started jujitsu in December. I had someone on YouTube a couple like weeks later say that I had the worst hair in the history of hair. What? <laughs> I had the, yeah. I, I like, you know, I had a couple of clients drop off and none of that really phased me because the juxtaposition between having someone literally just choking you to death to having a mean internet comment was like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. I can handle that. So having that, like that perspective shift of here's yes. something that is ultimately uncomfortable that you can lean into. It just gives you the ability to see that like, Hey, we as Americans, especially we're so soft. Everything's got to yeah. be 72 degrees and, and everyone has to be very, very nice. Like that's not how the world works and it's okay. And you don't have to have it hundred percent perfect for you to show up, you know, that, cause that's not going to be how things transpire. So I've been really liking that, that, like having that perspective shift, especially in, in this way and the ability to become a beginner. Like I went the, I went to, like, I thought my cardio was good. I'm like throwing up Ned, like getting destroyed. Dude, it's so good. So, you know, I think when we start to have these conversations, 
think about like David Goggins and like I'm gonna do some crazy ass shit to be uncomfortable, right? Which is cool, but that's kind of what's what's out there. But for you to pause and go, hey, I just I went to do jujitsu and I'm a beginner. So I think that idea of being a beginner and it's like, okay, well, what does that do for you? What does that do for me? It it puts us in a position where we're not the master in this one little space. And then when things don't go our way, right, we get all irritated and pissed off. We can't really be there well for our kids, can't be there well for our spouse. You know, um, a lot of people are into like the cold shower, cold plunge stuff. You know, I'll do that sometimes or whatever, which is fine. But I think like what's some other ideas around how to create how to lean into not being comfortable. Maybe it's a hard conversation with your teenager. Maybe it's a hard conversation with your wife. Maybe it's trying to f- navigate your neighbor. Um, I, I don't know, but what, what are some other thoughts you have around this idea of comfort? So for, um, I think the weight training and the gym is a great m- mm. mirror and just model yeah. for life because I, I'm in fitness and I don't want to go to the gym all the time. I'd say 50% of the yeah. time, I'm like, I would rather do anything else besides this. Like, you wanted me to do squats today? I don't want to do yeah, that. Sheesh, I hate them. But, but like, it's not even so much the squats, it's the consistency of doing them week over week over week that creates that discomfort and flexes that muscle where you're like, I do what I do hard things. It's not, it's not about, for me, it's not about if I'm going to do it. It's about when I'm going to do it. So I think that having that like consistency across the like a, a specific discipline. So whether you're playing piano or weight training, w- when you don't want to do something and you go, OK, and you go do it anyways, that to me is the epitome of this and how it could like you don't have to put like pour a bunch of broken glass into your shoes a la David Goggins and then go run in the jungle for 14 hours. <laughs> yeah. That dude, I mean, that dude could have saved himself so much trouble with just a cursory Google search. Like, how do you hydrate before a race? Bro, use a phone. You have a phone. Anyways. <laughs> but, but like, I think that doing hard stuff repeatedly, not just this one-off, I did a cold shower. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got in someone's like cold tub. That's great. But like, show me your, show me your results. Show me your three months. Show me your, your 12 month. And I think yes. all, the other thing you said was is perfect. Card conversations. Everybody hates them. Nobody likes them. And they never get any easier. But leaning into those and being like, man, I I screwed up big time. I got to go apologize to my wife for being a big dipshit. I got to go talk to this guy because mm-hmm. I, I didn't mean to say that. I really ended that on a bad note and be like, fuck. Yep. <sighs> okay. And then you go do it. And, it, and then you're the type of person who does hard things. Like you're, every time yes. you'd make that choice, you're stacking that win and you're creating the identity, right? People ask me all the time, like, well, my identity is not this, the, what I want it to be. Well, how do you create the identity? Do you want it's by doing those things over and over and over again until eventually you're just like, yeah, I am an athlete. Yeah. I do hard things. Yeah. I reject comfort and I embrace things that are a little bit more raw and, and wild. Yeah, man, it's it's so important. And as men, like we are supposed to be leaders and look around our culture, our world. There's not a lot of leaders. We need men who are leading. Um, and I think just to lean into, you know, what you're about fitness and what I've really noticed about fitness in my own life is having a hard conversation with my wife or my teenager may not turn out the way I want it to. I may not feel better after. But I'll tell you, 10 out of 10 times I go to the gym and when I leave, I feel better about myself. You know, like I didn't want to go this morning, but I went, uh, I'm habit stacking. So I'm listening to an audio book while I'm there. Right. Um, I'm having a conversation with my daughter on the way because I invited her. Um, and so all these things happen in the course of one hour, but I feel better about me. And then the thing is, is if I do that over, I'm at, you know, do it over a period of time, I look better too. Like there's actual results I can see. Um, and one thing somebody said to me recently, which I thought was crazy was there's more there are more millionaires than there are people with six packs. I don't know if that's a true statistic, but if it, I believe it because to the dedication it takes to go get a six pack versus being a millionaire and being just fat and whatever you could do that. It takes a lot of freaking discipline and work to, to go get fit and stay consistent with it. I, I think you should do both. Million dollar body. Ooh, million dollar body. Okay. Talk about million dollar body. So that's just the name of the program um, based off of like, it's, it's, so it's a, the program, it's the, it's the book I wrote. It's called the entrepreneur's diet for superhuman focus and rapid fat loss. It basically just goes into a 28 day plan where I'm like, Hey, do these, do these things. I call them seven daily investments on a regular, on a regular basis. Because like, like I said, most of the guys I work with are business owners or entrepreneurs. 
So there, I know one thing about them for sure. And it's every time that they have a client or they want to sign a new client or they have a work thing, they will prioritize that over the gym 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So my goal with that is to convince them you will literally make more money, the thing that's the most important to you right now, by focusing in on this small piece of your nutrition. And I just make it down, like I break it down really simple. It's not one of those books you read and you're like, okay, I got to buy the program at the end. No, like in 10 years, I want somebody to be able to pick this up and be like, and get results from it. So it gives yes. you a 28 day structured program. So if you're like, what, what does that even mean? What's carb backloading? What does he mean by glycogen priming? Just check out the book. And if you try it out, I love those N1 experiments where you just try something yourself and see if it works for you or not. You know? Yeah. And dads, let me say this to you. Cause maybe you're like, Oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. Oh, I'm not have a million dollar business, whatever. Your role as a father and husband in your house I would say is more important than the pastor leading a 10,000 person church or a CEO running a hundred thousand company, you know, a hundred thousand employee company, whatever. The point is this matters. Like this is your life. You're going to be a 90 year old man sitting in a bed dying one day. And who's going to be standing around that bed. It's going to be hopefully the people that you love based on your words and actions from showing up every day. And it's fitness, it's health, it's awareness, it's presence, it's being in the freaking game, dude. So like stuff like Nate's book, his coaching, what he's doing, like you need this for you. Don't think this is for some CEO who may be a shit dad. Who knows? Hopefully he's not. But my point is what you do is critical, man, for our world. Like your impact on your family 500 years from now is probably more impactful than a CEO's impact on his business 500 years from now. Guaranteed. I love that. Dude, show up, man. This is what, and that's why we're here. All right. There's two words, two things I want to jump in with you because recently I was doing some like meditation, some thought, and this idea came to me. Like if I were to just say fatherhood, what fatherhood is about in one word, it would be generosity. So like, if I'm reflecting, am I a good, mm. loving father? Am I a generous father? So in, in doing some you know research on you, generosity and being generous to your community was really important to you. And so the two things kind of connected. I just wanted to ask, like, what does generosity mean to you? How does that show up in your life? How could others, you know, make sure they're generous? I think it's, I think generosity is, is innate. I think we are born Mm. with that. Like, I think most people are empathetic generally. And like you, like, like we were driving down the street with my daughter the other day and someone said like, it's Phoenix, it's nice weather. Everyone's out on the side of the corners, like asking for money. And there's this Mm. lady who, and her sign said something about being an immigrant and having kids. And she was out there with like her two kids. And my daughter was like, why is she out there? And I was like, she's asking for money. And she's like, well, why don't we give her money then? And I was like, why don't I, all right, well, why don't we give her money? And like, it was, it wasn't a thought for her, right? Like it was just like, mm. just, yes, as a child, just yes. like, why is, why are you not already doing that? Like, it was just a, it was an obvious answer. So I feel like that is a, is a thing that we repress over time as we're like, mm. as we become, become more jaded and cynical, we're like, ah, I'm not giving that person money. And I'm there for sure. Like, I don't give, I don't just hand out money to people on the streets, but one of my, resolutions after that was to stop resisting generous impulses. So like uh, something pops up, I like that you see someone at a, at a table and you're like, I should buy them dinner. Don't stuff that down. Go do it right now. Go buy that person dinner. Why? Like, why would you not do that? You know, like, so the other day we were out and I saw these old, these elderly people like sitting and there's, they're splitting a, like a, like a fish, fish and chips or something like that. And so I just had the, the waitress take care of it. And they left and they were like, start, like she started, like the female started to cry and, oh, and the guy came over and he's like, did you guys buy us dinner? And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe, you know? And he's like, this is our anniversary. We never get to go out. This is like really special for us. Like you've made, you made our, our night. We never do these sorts of things. And like for the amount of like meaning that they derived from it, like, yeah, like, a, I feel really special being able to be a part of that. But like, how much did that cost me to be able to provide something really valuable and really like important to them? Yeah. And I think we're constantly getting nudges on that. Like whether you believe in God or the universe, I believe that like, I believe that God is like, yo, buy those people dinner, you know? And so if we, if we, if we can hear those things, 
you don't know how you're being impacted. You don't know about the tool that you're being used or what's going to happen long-term. So like when someone pops into your mind and you're like, yeah, I wonder how Ned's doing. Shoot Ned a text. What's he up to? And it doesn't have to be always like Hmm. financial, but like, how can you be generous with your families, with your friends, with your, with your core group of people and demonstrate that to your, to your kids. I think that's critical. And like, kind of going back to what you're talking about with just the leadership and being, you know, being like the, the change you can enact in 500 years. Like that's how we do it. These little micro things happening over and over and over again and showcasing to our kids so they can showcase to their kids. And that's how we change the, like the future of this country not by making these big grandstanding speeches and posting on social media. It's the small things done daily. Uh, Man, that's so good. I love how you said it. Like stop repressing those generous impulses, right? Because we automatically, oh, I I look like an idiot or, oh, they don't need it or, oh, whatever. But there's something like, why did that trigger in you? And you said (sighs) it's innate in us, right? It's innate in us that I walk into a room and I see a need but then I talk myself out of meeting that need from my own insecurity of whatever, or, or the story of, well, this person's that, or I start building their story. I have no idea what their story is. And that's something that I've really been, you know, learning is because I could be pretty judgmental is I have no idea their story. And if there's an impulse in me, it, it, it might, there's something there, right? We're all connected. If we allow ourselves to be, I just, dude, I think that's, I mean, that's the most powerful nugget that I'm, that I got this week. I, I love that so much. Take action on those impulses. Yeah, Cause I think they're, they're there for a reason, you know? And I think like, yeah, th- that can change, that can change everything for somebody, you know? Well, like, man, is this, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say like, like you have a, like someone pops into your mind and you reach out to them and you're like, Hey man, how are you, how you doing? Just checking in. And they're like, I'm in a really dark place right now. I'm feeling super horrible. Thank you for like, yeah. and that like, and they maybe didn't know that anyone cared. And then you were the one person who was like, Hey man, I'm just thinking about you. Like it's cost you nothing to do that when you feel it. So you feel it for a reason. Like, I think if you can, if you can be in tune with those emotions, I think you get, you get more of them. It's like, it's like that internal wisdom Mm. or being pushed by, by God to do something that like is meaningful. Dude, I love it. It reminds me, you know, it's like if, if I walk into a room and I'm, and I'm like staring at you, you know, like something in you is like, somebody's look, you know, you, you know, yeah. like you look over, you know that it's like, we're connected. And so if that's real, then this idea of when I walk into a room and I feel like I need to take action for this person, it's a missed opportunity if I don't. Now, here's the thing that I, I kind of have come up with this idea. It's called the doorway question. And it's when I walk through a doorway asking myself, why am I here? But you could ask it in either way. Like if I walk into a doorway, I'm like, oh my God, why am I here? Right? It's like selfish and I suck. Um, and if I walk in a doorway and I look around, I'm like, all right, why am I here? There's a reason I'm here right now. It's not about me. It's about how do I serve in this moment? And um, so, yeah, the doorway question, it makes me think just the same thing is look for those impulses, those opportunities. Uh, Beautiful, bro. Any other thoughts on that? I'm going to ask you my next, my next question. And then we'll, we're coming to the end here. Yeah. Hit me. That's that's all I got. Okay. All right. So as dads, we've kind of been talking about this a bit. You've, you've brought up your book, you've brought up some, you know, about focus and energy, uh, the importance of it. How do you measure energy and, and, and really, I mean, I want to say energy optimization. So like, I want to show up as a rad dad with energy. What are a couple things you tell me to do? Um, and then how do you measure it? Yeah. Measuring is tough. And I feel like I've, I've thought about that a lot because I would love to be able to have like, you know, just from a business perspective, have a offer where I'm like, I will triple your energy in this amount of time, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily have a great answer for the measurement side of things. I think it is definitely a feeling because you know, when you don't have it, you know, right. They say right. fatigue makes, makes cowards of all men. So, and I noticed that in jujitsu and just to keep bringing it back to that, do you know how, you know how you know if someone does jujitsu? They talk, they'll about tell it? you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in jujitsu fit and vegans. Yeah. Yep. 100%. 100% keto. I'll throw keto in there too. Okay. But like, I can feel myself quit. I feel myself get tired mm. and I mentally quit before I physically quit. And I think to myself, man, I hope this guy just taps me out. I hope I get choked out right now so I can be done with this. 
And like, that's how people, a lot of people experience their life. They're just like, I'm just tired. I just wish this would be over. I wish this meeting would end. I wish this day was over. I wish, I wish I could just get home. I would just sit on the couch. And when that's your life, like, and you're operating at 40% of your max capacity all the time, like you can't be focused. You can't have energy. You're never going to show up as the dad you want to be in that capacity. So I don't necessarily know how to measure like the growth of it, but I know, you know, when you don't have it. Yeah. So if you you want to go ahead. I was going to say, I think, you know, when you, when you come into the moment where you don't have it, I think, and I mean, I'm not doing this regularly, but to pause and ask yourself, why do I have no energy? Think back. Oh, I ate like crap today. Or, Oh, I didn't sleep last night. Or, Oh, I stayed up and watched four episodes of Ted Lasso or whatever it is that kept me. But I think do, you know, paying attention to that because yeah, I want to watch four episodes of Ted Lasso and laugh my face off and not have to do anything. But I also don't want to be sitting here with my 17 year old daughter at four o'clock and she's telling me about something she did at school today and I'm not paying attention because I'm tired and I don't have any more energy to care. Like what a dick. I don't want to be that guy. Right. So thinking back to why do I have no energy so that I can then not do that again? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of times we get triggered by foods that we might even understand. Like, obviously, mm. if you look at, if you look at, like, if I put out a big table of food and you have pizza and French fries and an apple and broccoli. And I was like, well, tell me what's healthy. You'd be able to point to the healthy ones and the not healthy ones. Yeah. But I don't think people necessarily put it together that having a big meal, French fries, high carbs at lunch is going to completely crash you for the afternoon. You're going to be less effective. You're going to be less focused, less mental acuity, because not only are those foods will steal energy from you, but also any digestion process. When you want to do more, eat less because digestion naturally pulls blood from your brain and from your extremities into the gut to help that process. So mm. if you have a big podcast coming up, you're doing something that you need 100% of your focus on, be a little hungry. And you can reframe that hunger as a, as a signal to your body to start being more focused. When you're a little hungry, you have better hand-eye coordination. You have better short-term to long-term memory retention. You got better um, peripheral vision. So it's just an evolutionary trait that we've used to be able to go hunt and stay, stay alive. So piggyback off of your evolutionary trait, your superpower by not smashing your face full of French fries at lunch if you have a big meeting at two o'clock. So I think that avoiding high carbs, starchy foods, different things like that until the later parts of the day after you finished all the important things in your life is it can be a massive game changer for a lot of people when it comes to amplifying their energy. Yes. Okay. So that was another thing that I had, I had tried after the podcast um, with Mike Higgins was just protein and fat for breakfast and lunch. And then at dinner time, that's when I'm smashing my carbs to then eat a little bit better. I was doing well on that, but kind of dropped off. Would you notice the um, difference at all? Did I notice a difference? Well, I hadn't been eating breakfast until noon up until that time. I do notice like this, t- I'm on a, I'm halfway through uh, like a three day fast right now, which I've never done. So I'm halfway through right now. And I noticed that I did, I did have like a coffee this morning with uh, butter and freaking oils. Right. So I feel good. I feel like that filled me up, whatever. I feel fine. Um, I noticed that if I have fats in this here, here's the thing that sucks. Okay. To be honest about it is I feel as though if I eat my fats in the morning, it is better for my focus during the day, but then it limits me more when my wife makes dinner in the night that I already hit my fats for the day. So that's the balance for me is I try to really leave dinner open so that I'm not a little, I'm not a lame dad who's like, I can't eat this, that I'm eating my chicken breast by myself while you guys eat whatever. I try to save my fats for the end of the day so that I can eat with the family. Anyways, there you go. I, I, I try to do a really light lunch. So I'll do just proteins and vegetables for lunch primarily or proteins and like a piece of fruit. And then if I do have some like cheese or avocado or or something else going on with dinner, I'm not stressed about it. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, Okay. So energy optimization for dads and and then I'm going to ask my last question. Is there anything else around that that you'd recommend? Absolutely. You have to wake up and drink water first thing. I like 32 ounces in the morning. That's one of the best possible things you can do. Most Mm. guys get up and smash coffee. What happens when you wake up is your cortisol level spikes. Cortisol is the stress hormone. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is what it is. But it peaks about an hour. So if you're drinking coffee at the same time as you wake up, those go up together and you don't really get much from your caffeine. We want to get more out of Mm. caffeine. Wait an hour after you wake up, jump off that cortisol spike with your caffeine. So then making sure that you're drinking enough water because if you're not hydrated, 
hydration can like decrease in 3% of your body's hydration can reduce your strength by up to 30%. You'll never be focused. You'll never burn as much fat to your point earlier. And you're never going to have as much energy as if you are like well hydrated. So in the morning, wake up, drink 32 ounces of water, and then do 60 seconds of jumping jacks or some other exercise, shadow boxing, whatever you like. That's a little bit explosive, gets your body moving and tell me you don't feel way better than you did. Even just pounding that coffee first thing. That's one of the mm. best things you can do to create that energy. And then just remembering that motion creates emotion, right? So you need, you need a, a pickup before you get on a podcast or a big meeting, drop and do a couple pushups, do some jumping jacks, do a little, like I throw on some headphones and dance around my office. I feel like, I feel like a goofball, but I kind of am a goofball. So so then what's your song of choice? Oh, it, it varies. But uh, right now I'm on a big uh, Dylan Ponders kick. He's a real hip, hip hop okay. hip hop boy. Love it. Love it. Okay. I want to respect your time, bro. So I'm going to ask you my last question. It's a legacy question. So imagine 30 years from now, 30 years from now, your daughter will be about the age you are now. Imagine you are peering into her home, her life. What is it that you see that puts a smile on your face going, man, the way that I showed up as a father is being played out in her world right now. Um, I think two things. Number one would be like, are they in the, are they in the garage getting after a set of squats as a family? Like that would just be yeah. like, that would light me up. Like, I'd be like, Oh yeah, they're doing it. Uh, and then the second thing is like, is she calm and grounded? Like that's, mm. that's one thing that I, I probably wanted more of in my childhood, just having a safe place where I didn't have to worry about, what mood my parents were in or what they were dealing with at the time. Like they just showed up and they were always the same person. So if I can bring that to the family, like not only for my kids, but for my wife as well, like I just always show up as the same dad, walk in the door and they just know who I am. I love that. I would love, I would, I would love to see that played out through generations. Dude, that's beautiful. And I just wrote this down. I'm going to put it out there in the world uh, as a quote from you, but it says, do your kids worry about what mood you're in? Dude. That's wild. Uh, Nate, where can people learn more about you, find your book, etc.? Books on Amazon and Audible. But if you want to just to check out the ebook, I'll give it to you for free. Just go to getnatesbook.com to grab that. Otherwise, check out my podcast, Low Carb Hustle. If you like to talk about carbs and lifting weights and just being, being wild or find me on Instagram, same thing, low carb, at Low Carb Hustle. Love it. Love it, bro. Continue doing what you're doing chasing after life, inspiring all those around you and loving on your wife and kiddos. I look forward to uh, continuing to learn more about you. And uh, I look forward to our paths crossing again, my friend. This was a lot of fun, Ned. Thank you very much. Awesome. Until next time. Ah, my friends, incredible conversation. Again, sorry for the sound. If you made it to the end, you are a saint. Thank you so much. That was a great conversation and I'm glad you didn't miss it. What I'm going to take from this conversation, and I have been since we first recorded this, is not ignoring those impulses to do good. This is so good. I mean, how many times do we get a thought of, I should say this, I should do this, I should, ah, whatever, and we we stop it and go, no, I'll look stupid, or I feel dumb, or that seems weird. If we ignore those for too long, they go away. If we embrace those more opportunities to love on people will come. And so I love that piece of the conversation. It's something I've been paying attention to more is putting myself out there, being okay, being strong enough in who I am as a man to look stupid, to take a risk. And so I encourage you, don't ignore, don't ignore those moments that you are given an opportunity to do something for someone else. Now, this comes down to us knowing who we are right? Our identity. And I've said from the beginning why I started this is the world would look and feel different if men showed up in their identity to love, serve, guide, provide, protect. And this is why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. Please go check out Adventure of Fatherhood. It is it is being built and grown, and I'm so excited about it. Adventureoffatherhood.com. Started with a kid's book. We're going to be launching uh, Introductory to Fatherhood course, 18-year roadmap course. Those are be coming in the next few months. Um, and then really, it's built around this gift for a new dad. If you know a dad, a young dad, a guy who, who needs to be shown who he is, you can go on there and order him the kid's book or order him a gift. And it's just a way of saying, bro, I see you. 
You have what it takes. You were made for this. We need more men to embrace their identity as fathers. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.